Hello and welcome to the Guns on Pegs podcast live at the Game Fair. Has everyone got a drink? Great. Cheers. Cheers. Ah, thank you. So, as usual, I am joined by my co-host Chris Horn, founder of Guns on Pegs. My name is George Brown. I am the editor at Guns on Pegs and the head of inspiration at Scribehound. Thank you so much to all of you for coming along. Chris, we're on stage at the Game Fair Theatre. Do you think that means we've made it? We've been given an upgrade. <laughs> it's an upgrade from the stand, isn't it? Last year we did this on the stand, just down the road, because we weren't serious enough to be allowed onto the, the theatre stage. So we've got someone to thank in a second for making that Yeah, we're that moving, moving up in the world. So, um, Chris, what's the plan? A plan? <laughs> for those of you who have listened to the Guns and Pegs podcast before, there is never a plan. <laughs> no, that's not true. Sometimes there's a plan, and then it doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I actually have a couple of notes here, because there are a couple of things we've got to get through. I, I must. I think we've got a lot of new listeners here today. A lot of you might. Can you have a raise of hands if you've heard an episode of the podcast before today? Oh, a lot of people. Okay, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, okay, but for those that haven't, this is all about listener correspondence. It's all about having a laugh. This is the fun side of shooting. You know, when you go away on a bit of a shooting trip, you get together with your mates. You're in the pub the night before. That bit of shooting is what we try and do on the podcast, because that's the bit about shooting we absolutely love. Yeah, that's right. What we like to do is have a guest on each episode, and uh, those people in the room will be able to see who our guest is. But for the benefit of the people who will be listening at home when we put this podcast out, Chris, you better just introduce our guest for this episode. <laughs> this is weird for you, isn't it? <laughs> Our guest today, he's, uh, he's a bit of a celebrity in the shooting world, aren't you? <laughs> he's making faces at me. Our guest today is none other than uh, the owner, manager, starter, permanent fixture of the very famous Field Sports Channel. Can we have a huge round of applause, not just for now, but for all the effort he does on stage here during the game fair, for Charlie Jacoby. Thank you so much. Can I just be none other from now on? Would that be okay? Just forget <laughs> Charlie Jacoby, just none other. Um, have you sat on this side of the sort of interview before on this stage? No, it's very weird. I keep wanting to interrupt and tell you to get off the stage and things like that. No, never. I mean, you can take over if you want. I'll give you the script and... No? Okay, fair this enough. Is, this is bliss. You carry on, George. Um, well, how's it been today? Has it been... And, and the rest of the show, how have the interviews been? How have the panels... Just, have you been stirring up trouble? I think we've had some trouble. Yes, we had uh, Daniel Zeichner on. He uh, carries the shadow. Of, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm already being boring. We have had fun people too. We had <laughs> Labour politicians promising that he won't, he won't touch shooting. Yeah, believe that. Right, yeah. Tomorrow, we've got Therese Coffey, who's the DEFRA secretary coming. And the really crucial political question of that interview is, is she going to be able to get out of our Field Sports Channel butterfly chairs? Well, I nearly fell over getting into them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Are you going to ask how long she's going to have her job for? I don't think there's any point. I think we know. <laughs> Awkward. Um, so, Charlie, you came on one of the very first episodes in our first series uh, quite a long time ago now. Um, and when you came on, you talked very passionately about how important you think it is that shooting and field sports in general make a big noise uh, in public, in the, what you might call the mainstream media. But I thought, while we've got you briefly at the moment, we might have a talk about the media that we have within field sports. Um, so, before we do that... Oh, go on then. Drink. Ah, 
very important. Yeah, I would say last time I was on the Guns on Pegs podcast, you made me drink, and I am singularly without a glass at the moment. <laughs> well, only because I was about to sit down and have a... I was about to pick my pint up and have a sip, and I felt very sorry for him. He's been sitting here all day. Okay, go on then. Right, uh, just quickly. So, for those of you that have not heard the podcast before, our favourite segment by Miles is called What's That You're Drinking? Now, today, it's What's That We're Drinking? Because I can see a lot of pints that have just been given out to the audience. <laughs> um, but before we do that, we've brought our, we've brought our guest a drink, because I know he's dying for one. And you can now tell the audience what we've bought you, and you, uh, you don't have to finish it all right now. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a bottle of Guns on Pegs cough mixture, I think. Probably the <laughs> closest. Yeah, it's definitely cough mixture. It says it's called raspberry-infused liqueur, but... Yeah, I think that's 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 Benadryl, isn't it? That's stuff I. Oh, we were we were worried about your throat with all the talking you've had to do so but, far this weekend, and more you've got to do. So that'll just help can I just settle say, the larynx. One thing about this raspberry infused liqueur: I had a party once for uh, people. The bottle they had to bring was the bottle that made them first throw up. <laughs> it was brilliant. What, what was yours? Well, ob- obviously, all the hunting people came with you know the cherry brandies and the, the hunt meat stuff. You know, obviously, all my local friends from Somerset came with cider which is why we don't drink cider in the West Country anymore. Uh, but yes, raspberry liqueur was a, a big one. They ha- had to peel those off the floor at the end of the evening. Thank you very much. What You're was the first drink that made you throw up? Uh, I haven't the faint... Probably supermarket lager, actually. <laughs> uh, so, Charlie's... This is actually quite a well-known drink. Are you all... Oh, here we go. This is a Gin Bothy. Gin Bothy, actually, they do produce really good stuff. Raspberry liqueur. He's poured himself a generous measure, which is good. Long day. Cheers, Charlie. <laughs> Prost. Oh, there we go. Oh, that was lovely. I will just tell everyone else what they're drinking, because I don't think anyone knows. Well, I don't know what they're drinking. So, I have, we have, uh, so we've launched a new business called Scribehound, um, and when we launched it, we thought, what's going to make it go down well on the stand? Well, we'll just give away beer. That's always a good thing. Like, that's very us, isn't it? Uh, so we were like, can we find a beer company that has some link in name to Scribehound? So we found the Hairy Dog Brewery, which is a nice little touch, wasn't it? Very nice. I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, who are in West Sussex, and we have, everyone here is drinking a pint of Hairy Dog Pale Ale. Can I get a a sort of raised glass, if you like it. Look at that. That's, th- that's virtually that's, unanimous. It is unanimous, for sure. It's, it's good, isn't it? Especially after a long day at the game fair. I've had a very long day at the game fair, so I'm drinking whiskey. <laughs> Shock horror. <laughs> what, what, any particular? Uh, yeah, it's Abalauer, a uh, rare cask. Um, available at the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> supermarket whiskey. I yeah. think you're failing, you know, because that must be... I think I've heard that at least three or four times before. You have, because it's really good. So when we started the pod, the idea is that you turn up to each episode with a new drink, and it's got a little bit of a reason behind it. Obviously, I did well there. I've come up with a bit of a story. You've let us down. I have. I've had other things on my mind, like working out what we were going to say in this podcast. (laughs) We're going to leave that up to Charlie. Well, so on that note, Charlie, what I was about to ask you was, um, do you think think it's possible that maybe there's a bit too much negativity in the field sports media in general, that we have a tendency to focus on the bad news and yes. the challenges. Yes. Yeah? Oh, yes. And we're as guilty of it at Field Sports Channel as anybody. And, I, I, you know, every week I look at the news 
this. And I go, OK, the government wants to ban this, the government wants to ban that, the RSPB wants to ban the other, and this bloke's being caught doing something terrible. And I think, we've got to find some positivity, you know. I mean, tomorrow morning, I managed to find the positivity, uh, the, the one big good quality big game hunting story in the UK is that they've reopened tuna fishing in Cornwall. That is good news, you isn't it? You can go big game fishing. I, still, I couldn't find anybody to talk about it, but you know, that, that, was, our one, that was our one possible <laughs> outing. No, it, you're right. And, and we must be more upbeat. I mean, frankly, there are so many people here at the game fair saying such good things about shooting. So many people involved in what we do. It, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? It's, it's a good thing. I think this is such an important point you're making because I feel the tone this year, from, when, from standing on the stand, the amount of negativity is it's soul-destroying at times. And I, I get the point everyone's making, which is like, you know, who's standing up to fight the fight, all that sort of stuff. But I think there's a bit of a spiral that you can end up in here, which you is can. if we talk positively, people sort of find ways for this positivity to find its way outside of our world and it filters into others that we're talking to when it's in the pub or a dinner party or whatever it might be. I just... I don't know how we get... I know it's very difficult to get out this trap we're in, but it's dangerous. We haven't found a way of doing a kind of... In easily doing a sort of upbeat, positive feature online. You know, everything has to be short and sharp. And it's difficult to say, well, hey, my life's great, short and sharp. It's very easy to go, oh, my dog died. You know, that, that is a more interesting story. And, and it bubbles up to the top of the, the Facebook feed. This, this is because of the way that the online world works, isn't it? I think it is. Well, just journalism in general, actually, the media in general. You know, good news is not exciting. You know, everything's fine is not a great headline. I think it's more complicated than that. I mean, if you take a Sunday Times story, you know, the classic Sunday Times story is supposed to make you significantly more angry after you finish reading it than you were before you started reading it. Therefore, it has to, it has to be negative in that respect. But yeah, I mean, broadly speaking, good news does not sell. But I mean, so I think sort of by accident, we set out to create a podcast that was just fun to do. And I think we sort of stumbled upon what you might call a sort of uh, mission for the podcast, which is actually to try and focus on the fun bits of shooting, the silly bits of shooting, because it's all inherently ridiculous. And so is our podcast, really. <laughs> inherently ridiculous is so true. When I go and tell my uh, American friends who, don't forget, go to Africa to decorate their houses, which is a bit weird, that what we do in Britain is walk slowly towards persons until they fly over waiting guns. They get, they, you, you're joking, what, Whilst right? dressed as, as somebody from 1920, <laughs> for, no, for no reason. Marvellous. It's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. I do it. Um, so what can we do? What can the, the, the shooting field sports media do to try and focus more on the fun and the laughter and the joy that shooting brings? Is there anything that we can do as a, a group of businesses and organisations that are sort of involved in this? With my media consultancy hat on. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I, I, I do think there's things we can do. I mean, the obvious one that most people say is we should focus on the positive, you know, conservation stories. And the trouble <laughs> with that is they're just boring. They're just boring. What you can't beat in the media... Oh, look at that. You, we've just been delivered Delivery. This is, this is, is like it? TMS, Test Mat Special, isn't it? Is it cake? It's like cake. Better than cake. Uh, oh, do, do you want to tell us what you've delivered us? So it's a pheasant goujon and a steak in a Jamaican jerk spice. A venison steak. Life's okay. tough, isn't it? One, one thing we can do is feed the, feed the guests. That's definitely true. Yeah. That's, this, is, this is a new high for the podcast. <laughs> so this, this is... I know who delivered us. That, that's Louisa from Eat Wild. Uh, great, obviously 
pushing game out to the masses uh, and to us. Twice. Very nice. Not that we need to be converted, but we'll enjoy it. <laughs> Charlie, do you want to go first? You've I will. I'm not, going to be, I'm not going to speak with my mouth full, but I'm going to, I'm going to take that and hold it while I just make my one last <laughs> point. What we can do that works in the media is we can, and I was just talking to Ross Braun, who's from Formula One about this, is we can talk about the fun stuff. We can show photographs of people smiling at each other and laughing and you know we have a we have a guy called Dan Thor who appears on Field Sports Channel a lot one of the lovely things about Dan Thor films is that everybody is laughing all the time it's a, just that that's all you have to do it's a relationship and it's positive and it's happy yeah and I mean I, I, people know I, I write a fair amount of rubbish basically when I'm writing on no uh, no on, no, on, no, on no guns no. on pegs and scribe hound I'm yes. not enough of an expert to write knowing and learned pieces so I lean into what I I'm good at, which is mucking about. And um, I like to think that what that does is um, help people to remember what it is that they love about shooting, you know, whether it's the characters or the, the slightly ridiculous things that we get up to. And I, I would love to see more of that sort of thing going forwards. It's not just the ridiculous. I mean, you know, the, the sort of the bloopers real, although that's funny. It's that point of contact between two people. That's, that's what people really, really like. I mean, especially in Telly-land. And, uh, you know, everything to do with social media is basically telly these days. So I, I, I think that's, that's where we need to be. I would love to see people not afraid to use their cameras, whether they're hunting or they're shooting or they're, they're fishing. You know, obviously, be judicious, be careful. But, yeah. you know, people try to turn it against us. But the idea of playing into the hands of the antis, I think that's nonsense. The antis hate us anyway. Just go for it. Show how much you're enjoying it. I must say, my opinion on this is switched a little bit. When we, we spoke about something similar to this a long time ago, and the, the danger with social media is always that people end up posting the wrong type of stuff without thinking about it. I mean, they maybe don't know what would look good. Uh, but you're saying, doesn't just get it out there? Yes, I am, because actually the danger of the media is not so much the posting of what's wrong, and you see this over and over again with, 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 with stories in the media. So the media can do two things. It can change the social license for something, and we're hoping it's going to change the social license for shooting. It can get people fired. This week we saw the boss of NatWest get fired because Nigel Farage used yes. the media. Worked very well. Very, very, very good like that. The reason she got fired is not because she said those whatever terrible things she's supposed to have said to whoever she's supposed to have said it to, but because when they said to her, you said those terrible things, she was on the back foot. So let people be enthusiastic, let people be positive, but remind them that if somebody says, well, you shouldn't have done that, you know, don't be on the back foot. Just say, yes, I should. I mean, okay, obviously, if they're doing something illegal, they shouldn't do it, but yeah. yes, I should. It's fine. That's what we do. So changing topic completely to bring oh. it back to something fun thank you <laughs> uh, you must have something cool lined up this year that you're particularly looking forward to yeah it's weird though go on <laughs> I, I mean it's 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 so weird i, I think you might think you know i'm not uh, okay <laughs> you can't lead with it's weird and then not tell us <laughs> okay all right so we all did strange things during lockdowns, many of us in the privacy of our own homes, yes? Okay, <laughs> Where one, are you going with that one? One of the things I did on my 15-minute statutory exercise was to work out that in Britain, we have quite a lot of water that you can fish that sounds like letters of the alphabet. We have the river Y, we have the X, we have the D, we have the C. And so I thought to myself, I wonder if we can is, do... Is that all of them? Have you tried? No, <laughs> we, can do, we can do more. We can do more. Okay. 
And I thought, well, could we do all 26? And I discovered that if you go around the world, you can. So I am enjoying <laughs> fishing all the letters of the alphabet. And in September, as a family holiday, pay for out of my own pocket money, I'm going to go to America. And I'm going to fish the reservoir that sits over the drowned town of H. I'm going to noodle catfish on the River P in Alabama. And I'm going to knock out some smallmouth bass in W Creek, Texas. So that's, 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 my, that's my fun. That's so this good. This is epic. <laughs> and is this going to be a book project or something like that? Is that the plan? Oh, it's, it's going to be multimedia. Thank, thank you. Got... Thank you for that endorsement. <laughs> Strangely enough, my wife doesn't do that when I sell it. <laughs> I did not expect that answer no, when that I asked was, that question. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I, I've rendered Chris Horn speechless. <laughs> Can we have a round of applause? <laughs> What's the furthest you're going to complete that? Okay, well, the, the, the strangest one I did last year, and I should say, I'm taking my impressionable and rather entitled teenage daughter with me as my illustrator. Uh, we went to Liberia in West Africa to fish the River G. Uh, my social media manager at Field Sports Channel said, Liberia is a better place for a kidnap than a holiday. And she was right. Uh, we spent a week in Liberia. It took exactly three and a half days to get to the River G. I fished it for 40 minutes. <laughs> Uh, and then it took exactly just under three and a half days to get back to Monrovia, the capital, and get out. The only significant advantage of this is I discovered a new piece of policy we should all adopt here. If we're caught in a pandemic in the future, the Liberian policy is you pay $70 and you don't have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> Where is the River Z or Z? Uh, it's the River Z. You're absolutely right. And I think we're going to have to dif differ over pronunciation here. I think it's locally it's pronounced as Z and it's in China, and it's where they fish uh, with cormorants. Uh, so, uh, yeah, oh, it's, amazing. It's so a bit of a conceit. That's a lot further than Liberia. That, that is a lot further. No, the Liberia one I had to tell you about because I've, I've done it. No, there are some weird ones, <laughs> weirder ones. What a trip. That's amazing. I Go think, on, then, what are you I up mean, to? <laughs> well, <laughs> top not, that. Not, I can't. <laughs> I might have a couple of shoot days at home. <laughs> yeah, we might shoot Going a to the pub with my mates. About it. Um, so, Charlie, I think you've got to leave us now, haven't you? I think you've got to jump off. No, he's off. staying. I want to Oh, you're staying. I, can you? I yeah. can say yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm loving that. I'm getting, I'm getting applause. I haven't had applause all day. All my guests have had applause here at the Game Fair Theatre. I haven't, I haven't had anything. It's great. Very good, he's staying. We convinced Okay, good. Right, right, correspondence time. Correct. Right, yes. so correspondence is what makes this podcast epic. We get people writing in to the team at gunsonpegs.com. Pod at gunsonpegs.com. How Pod many times have we done this? Oh, God. <laughs> 60, don't worry about it. Pod at gunsonpegs.com. Why do they write in? What's, what can they get? because anybody whose correspondence is read out on the podcasts receives a pair of the highly exclusive and very desirable Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters as modelled, modelled I think, by these four morons over here. Um, <laughs> We've got more than four. I mean, you've got uh, four morons. Okay. Good lads who come for a party. And so our first segment of correspondence each episode is called Whose Bird Is It Anyway? And it's where we try to resolve our listeners' shooting dilemmas and quandaries and queries. And we make sure that our correspondents are anonymous so they don't get in trouble with the people uh, involved in the stories they send us. This one comes from somebody we are calling Spartacus, who asks, the price of shooting has risen hugely in the last few seasons. 
weekends, and it's making it more and more challenging to get my usual group of mates excited about our annual shooting trip. I really value these days out with the guys and would hate to see them disappear because the cost becomes too high. What can I say to the team to get them excited to go away for a day's shooting somewhere, complete with the overnight stay and overindulgence the night before? Sorry, I'm eating. Charlie, <laughs> over to you. What do you think? This is like, a, is this a Desert Island question? Is no, like, so, well, this is, uh, he, he, this chap's worried that his mates are going to bail on him and he's not going to have anyone to go on shooting trips with. He's worried that the cost of shooting has become prohibitive and um, this, this, he this, wants our advice on how to get his mates excited about this, going with him. This is the question that with the obvious answer, guns on pegs, isn't it, surely? <laughs> I was thinking that. Yeah, the, the, I'm, I, okay, can we give an answer that doesn't include the word guns on pegs? Well, yeah, go, the check's try. in the post. Yeah, oh, blimey, okay, uh, <laughs> so, so he's looking for value ideas to make to basically get his mates excited again because it's all getting a bit too much for that group. Well, I mean, one of the things I've really loved doing at Field Sports Channel, and this might be a little bit out there again, is is some is weird stuff like the cabbage white butterfly has no natural predators. It produces a kind of mustard gas. If you buy two two dust shots, you can shoot it in your back garden. It's brilliant fun. We get into so much trouble for shooting butterflies. This Don't shoot any so other butterfly. It's the only one. Shoot cabbage whites. Another thing, you can ferret mice with bumblebees. <laughs> Wait, yes, what? you can. <laughs> you on. can collect on bumblebees in March. You can introduce them to mouse holes. The bumblebees will lay their eggs in the mouse holes to clear out the mice. They change the kind of the ringtone on their wings as they go and they go wee, they go wee, and the mice run out. If you get your sister's hairnet you can catch the mice. We've done that. <laughs> You've had a say, long day, haven't of, you? <laughs> of all the sentences I expected to hear today you can ferret mice with bumblebees was not one of them. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody's ever used those words in that order ever before in the English language, have they? I thank you. <laughs> Honestly, that was a fairly straightforward question, you know, a bit of idea about shooting trips. And <laughs> but I think actually you're onto something in, the, in doing the weird stuff, because I imagine that what these guys have been doing is going away and having their kind of fairly bog standard 200 bird day, you know, stay in the pub the night before. It's, it's all kind of a bit samey and maybe the thing to do for these guys is to go and do something a bit out of the ordinary go and do something with a smaller bag size maybe wild fowling or something like that on a you know, a windswept Scottish island somewhere or something be, like that. You're onto it. I, you've I, got this, a real experience that's new. I, I agree with you. This, I mean, look, that's what you've just described. Take, I think, a bit of knowledge. It, it's not that straightforward. Well, I suppose what he's, he's saying is, should I be going on the standard issue, trad-driven day? And I think the answer is more and more, you don't have to. You no, do. I agree. You couldn't do other things. West coast of Scotland screams to me as the opportunity. Actually, any island off Scotland, you get away, you feel like you're nowhere near home. Well, you aren't anywhere near home. <laughs> uh, Unless but, you live in the west coast of Scotland. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, even then, you're still quite far from it. You get a ferry or something, go away for a couple of nights, stay on the island, do a bit of mixed species, just get together as a group of mates because it's not the shooting that makes it really fun. When you look back, it's all the bits around it. Yes, obviously the shooting's important, it gets you there. That for me is what I do in this scenario. There's some mega deals to get up and away there. So is that what you do? You'd go to the west coast of Scotland and, and do some, some wild fowling and that kind of thing? If our baby wasn't due in four weeks, I'd absolutely <laughs> be doing that. <laughs> Are you responsible parents, you? I know, I'm good. I, I, should, I, should, repl I should play that to her, shouldn't I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah I, I think that, it, that, that or some sort of, I don't know, a walked-up species day or something like that where, where there's variety and, and it's just something out of the ordinary that you probably haven't done before. 
and that will then, re- I think, rekindle the excitement that everyone has. And then it sort of becomes part of the game, doesn't it, for next year, is who can find the maddest thing to do next year. I might be making this up, but I'm feeling like there's more grouse moors doing walked-up mixed-species days than there were before. I don't know why, but... And I've done one or two where I, they're unbelievable. I know why. It's cheap as a run, isn't it? Fewer well, beaters required. Well, and the keepers run them, so I can understand it from their point of view. Why not? If I wanted to answer that question, I would probably be asking Chris Horn from Guns on Pegs, because he's, he's the sort of person who knows the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't know. That's the point. <laughs> no, but a mixed species day, that's your sort of thing? Absolutely love it. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a slightly put up job, and it sort of it sounds mildly uh, you're trying to, you know, like they're treating your game as targets, but you're not. On the day itself, it's it, it, it takes you from the bottom of the valley to the top of the moor, and uh, yeah, if you exceed your previous best, you feel great. If you don't exceed your previous best, it's still wonderful. But it is also a real test of skill, right? If you if you're standing under driven pheasants all day, by the at least by the end of the day, you're sort of getting on them bit but when you're doing when you don't know what's about to get up in front of you you have to really be on your game you have to be pretty decent to be able to respond and react to the the flight of whatever it happens to be that gets up have you done the McNabb episode have you you, we have done a McNabb episode what what were what were the McNabbs that kind of came out of that well we had um our mutual friend Mr Simon Barr on and he told us a very long story about how he achieved his McNabb um, and I think at that point it was our longest episode to date. It has now been beaten, but it was a great episode and we enjoyed it a lot, didn't we, Chris? What are the variations on it, though? Oh, there's so many. I, the, the McNorfolk? We did the Ferrari McNabb. Did you? <laughs> yeah, we got a Ferrari shooting brake and we went from uh, red deer, red stag in, uh, well, it was a bit of a calf, really, but it was, it was red enough in Cornwall via grouse in Yorkshire and then caught a salmon in the River Thurso on the north coast Amazing. of Scotland. And how many speeding tickets? Uh, it, it was expensive in petrol. I think we'll put it that way. <laughs> you did this in a Ferrari? We did this in a Ferrari. That's it, really obnoxious, isn't worth, it? Worth looking that one up. We did the Irish McNabb, which is one of my most stressful ones to date. The lovely Chris DeMargery, who played saxophone for Simply Red. He and Mick Hucknell from Simply Red bought an estate in Ireland. I knew the chap who was the, uh, the, the guide there. He was probably the reason it works, but it only just worked. <laughs> By two o'clock in the afternoon on the first day, we hadn't got anything. Uh, luckily, Chris is an extremely good salmon fisher, and we got the salmon. Uh, there are only two grouse in Donegal. We got one of them. Uh, and about five minutes after it got dark, a seeker fell over as well. So we did it. Amazing. Right. Bit of unpopular opinion well do you think we've given good advice there do you think that's we might actually have done one of the rare ones where we've actually given someone helpful advice there was some helpful advice in there i think your advice was absolutely incredible i don't know if it's helpful but it's amazing (laughs) it's certainly surprising can Um, can you can you put an article up on how to do this i think that's i think that's bumblebee ferreting there is there is a film uh so the the expert opinion comes from my dad uh, and what I love about this story is in the 1940s, when he was a kid, a very old man told him about this and told him how in, when he was a kid, so this will be in the 1880s, he 
used to do this in the in the larder because he wasn't allowed to do any other kind of hunting and shooting on a Sunday. So he did exactly this. My dad did it in the 1940s, and I did it with my dad uh, a couple of years ago. So it's it's a sort of once every century type sport, I think. So far, let's make it more popular. Well, I'm definitely going to give it a go. How does one collect the bumblebees in the first place? Oh, there, that's the easy <laughs> bit. That, yes, it's, it's, it's the it's the getting the mice to bolt. That's the hard bit. <laughs> it's so close to like last episode when we were. It is going to be last episode. It hasn't come out yet. I don't know what's happening. Purdy. The, t- the time we, we, has we were talking about. They're talking <laughs> about the, the tiny shotgun to shoot moss with. Oh yes, yeah. Brilliant. Yes. That, I, That's that shot. Want, I want to do that. I do. <laughs> the one actually we're planning to do next with my dad is uh, hawking beetles with a scopsal. So you've got a, a tiny little Mediterranean owl, and you you get your beetle to run across the carpet, and you go go get it, and this this bird flies down and grabs it, and that, that'll be fun. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, I feel like sometimes you probably just sit at home with a big drink. We don't spend enough time together. This is <laughs> I don't spend enough time with other people, I think. <laughs> what can we do? We're going to go and flight, I don't know, wasps <laughs> over jam. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So one of, one of our really generous helps, we, we give away a prize each week for the Field Sports Nation, the, the membership group. We have the 2,000 people who support us at Field Sports Channel. Oh, for small matters like being sued by Chris Packham and things like that. But one of the things we do is we give away a prize each week. And one of our great supporters is Bug Assault. That's B-U-G-A. Bug assault. I've seen them, and they're amazing. They are amazing. And for shooting shooting flies, a bit light for wasps, bit, you know, cannabis too small for wasps. That's, that's real big game. You need rock for salt sh- for wasps, do you? It, well, exactly, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, brilliant. Uh, yeah, just fill up the hopper with salt, you pump it up with air, and about six inches to a foot, you can wipe out a fly. It's great. You've just mentioned it, so I'm going to just get back onto that topic. How is the old Packham situation? Oh, Have you spoken about it all day? No, no, no. I've right, been, go on. I, for legal reasons, I've been trying to avoid it, but I'll, I'll tell you. Are you allowed to talk about it? Well, I, I'm glad to say the lawyer's not in the audience, so I'll tell you what, why don't I talk about it, and if there's a problem, I'll contact you later. Just let everyone know what on earth's going on in the first okay, place. Okay, we are being sued by Chris Packham for defamation, uh, and it comes down to did we or did we not print the right thing about something that happened in his life, so that's, that's, that's pretty straightforward. From our point of view, is it okay to shine a light on Chris Packham when he says things like, the hunting community set fire to a car outside my gates, the hunting community has left a dead badger on my doorstep, is it okay to say, it just might not be the hunting community, it might be somebody else? Uh, and from his point of view, it's reputationally very damaging, you know, it's the reason he's become president of the RSPCA. It's the reason he's got a major series on, on the BBC. But apart from that, it's reputationally damaging. So on the subject of Chris Packham, should we do some unpopular opinions? <laughs> I, I like the link. Yes. <laughs> right, we've been sent one. <clears throat> uh, it's quite short and sweet. And this has come from someone that George is going to call the Colonel. Uh, George says, I assume he has mustard cords and a walrus moustache. I didn't know you'd put that. <laughs> right, that, okay, we, okay, so he says, uh, extended chokes are abomination and should be banned from the game shooting field. 
Last season, I had to send two individuals home after they turned up with shiny choke tubes poking out the end of their gun. What is the world coming to? <laughs> Yours, outraged from Tunbridge Wells. Correct, yes. <laughs> Can you picture the guy already? I, I, I'm afraid I've, I've met him, yes. <laughs> I think I've met several of him, probably. <laughs> One of the guests of honour at the Game Fair here is, is Paul Whitehouse, the comedian. I am sure he's here for material. That, that's the only reason he's come. Do you think there'll be a new sketch comedy show? Very, very drunk. <laughs> um, what do we think to this guy's well, opinion? I, I, well, I was going to ask you, Chris, are you a sticky-out no. chokes man? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. It's touch and go, I think. <laughs> <laughs> On my 1895 side-by-side, -side, do you reckon they'd work? <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit like putting a conservatory on a beautiful um, Palladian architecture house, isn't it? Yeah, it's the reason they have listed building consent. It's <laughs> stuff like this, isn't it? Um, Charlie, Charlie, what about you? What do you think? Uh, is this guy on to something, or is he just harumphing into his moustache? I'm afraid I, I'm not a fan of harumphing. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm a bit new school for, 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 for this guy, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, don't, I don't go with it. I think you can use what you like within reason. And, uh, and I think it, the funnier the better. So, yeah, extended jokes make me laugh. Bring them on. So you're okay with a barrel sticker as well? On a, this, we're talking game shooting. Okay, so I, I had a, the, the joy of going shooting in China where, where pheasants come from, and they gave me a, a Hunan shotgun from the Hunan Shotgun Company. Wow. The, brand was, the brand was not the Royal. The brand was not the B725. It was the Hunan Squirrel. And it had a plastic molded stock with a relief Bambi on the side of it, literally a Bambi. Amazing. I, I want that shotgun. That that would be you my. You mean they didn't let you bring it home? I sh well, yeah. There's funny funny rules about export, but yeah, <laughs> I would love that shotgun. You know, we talk about jobs in the shooting world, and you, we sort of enjoy ours. Yeah, his beats ours, doesn't uh, it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd like to know. Okay, who in the audience has got sticky out tubes in their game gun? It's like the sticky out belly button question, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody's going to admit Not it. Not a single hand. Is that because ben people Hughes, are ashamed to admit previous it? Previous podcast guest. He don't. He doesn't. <laughs> they do, don't they? Literally no one. <laughs> um, right, so that was no one. No one. Potentially one. We're, we'll find out later. <laughs> so uh, so, so well, that, that, that suggests something. That it's a, an unpopular... No, that it's a, an unpopular opinion. No, the, no it's a popular the, popular. opinion. Popular. I mean, look, I think you might be... Well, there's no one that has them. You're okay with it. I yeah. understand why you're okay with it. Yeah. I just think, like, you walk up Gunmaker's Row and you look at the effort that goes into the clothing, the guns, the yes. boots, the this, that, the other. Everything looks so smart. There's so much craft. And then you just have this horrible bit just... Yeah, yes, no, I, I, from a design point of view, I, I totally agree. So, but, why, why? But, but shouldn't we be holding on to some of this look and feel and just not let it all get a bit too, you know... Why stop at... A case on an iPhone. Yeah. A case on an iPhone. Yeah, we just had that from the audience, yes. That is a very good point. The design team at Apple must be like... They must get so angry when someone brings out the new shock-absorbing case. <laughs> Well, I was about to say, what about, you know, surfboard signature graphics, you know? You could have something on the side of your barrel in... I mean, some of the clay shooters do it already. You could have your family crest, Chris. <laughs> do one, Charlie. <laughs> 
No, but I do think you're, I think you're probably right, Charlie, which is that uh, it's fun to be a bit sort of faux snooty about these things and go, well, really, a gentleman doesn't use an over and under and you know, all this, and wears his grandfather's breeks and all this sort of stuff. But it, none of it really matters. As long as you're fun to be around and you shoot safely and well being sent home matters to the person who was sent home <laughs> well, yes <laughs> but, I, mean, it, I like i like the fact great that for everybody else i love the fact there's still people out there that send people home from shoot days <laughs> <laughs> that's classic long may that last quite right <laughs> um oh, i don't want to twist round i i, I kind of do are you um, going to flip flop or are you well, going to i'm a little bit own? i'm a bit fencing on this weirdly because i do think yeah just do what you want to do just embrace it crack on but yeah I mean, you, you have just bought an over and under, haven't you? So it's a slippery slope for you. I haven't. Haven't you? No. You bailed. I tried <laughs> until it came to sending the money. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this. Anyway, sorry, it makes me sound really snobby, doesn't it? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like anyone's going to hear it. I, I turned up in a clay shoot the other day with my side-by-side. It was the Shuffle anniversary oh, clay yeah. shoot. And... Uh, and after the first drive, it got really ridiculously hot. And I know I was in for such an expensive bill if I got it out again. So stuck it away, used the browning all day. Much better. Did you shoot better? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it's not about shooting better, though, George, is it? No. Well, if it was, I would have given up a long time ago. So do we think this is popular or unpopular? They should be banned from the game shooting field. Unpopular. I agree. Unpopular. It's unpopular, but no one has them. Weird one, that. I'm sort of broadly against banning things, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, well said. <laughs> I, yeah, ban, I, I, I would like to that's ban a good point. banning things. Yeah. You man libertarian, you. Yeah, quite right. Good. Right, so Spartacus and the Colonel are now members of the most noble order of the garters and will very soon be in receipt of their very own set of the highly exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters. If you two have got a shooting quandary or a query that you'd like us to help with, or if you've got an unpopular opinion, send it to pod at gunsonpegs.com and if we use it in any future episode, you will get your garters. Right, so the way we wrap these podcasts up is with a section we call Desert Island Shooting. One last day. Shooting's going to end tomorrow, just like lots of people have been telling me today. Shooting's going to end tomorrow. Uh, money is no object. You've got use of the guns on pegs, time machine, helicopter, private jet, all that sort of stuff. You've done this before. And to be honest, what you've said on this episode already uh, is basically desert island shooting, what you're doing this year. Go one stage further. What are you doing, Charlie? Where are you going? I, am, am I allowed to do what I did before? I mean, I know it's boring, but I really, really believe this. Okay. All right. Okay. I can't remember it, so okay, that's well, fine. I can. It, it's a desert island. You're absolutely right. It's got a mountain on it. It's got a, a, little, bit of, a little bit of plain, and it's got a, a marsh, and it's got snipe, which is really, really important to me, and it's got trout in its streams, uh, and it has uh, an almost unlimited supply of native women who don't wear clothes to drive wild boar towards me. I, I think that would be my desert island sport. <laughs> That's not what you said before. Oh, I think it is. <laughs> it's an abiding fantasy, and I've had the whole of lockdown to think about it. <laughs> yes, you're, you really found lockdown hard, didn't you? <laughs> no, no. You it can was tell really he's been on stage for two days as well. He's tired, he's, he's lost, had a drink. Lost his mind. <laughs> I, I mean, like it's that. definitely a unique desert island. What shooting. sort of part of the world is this island in? Oh, hot, definitely. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing my surfboard as well. Um, and my stereo, if that's all right. <laughs> very good. Well, look, honestly, a huge round of applause for Charlie. Thank you very much for, for joining us and being on the other end. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and a huge thank you to everyone for coming along and watching this live episode of the podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time, but until then, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Thank you.